What is good, everybody? Welcome to another SB Nation NFL show. I am Rob Stats-Guerrero from Niners Nation, alongside Kyle Posey from Niners Nation, Justice Mosqueda from Acme Packing Company, and Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride Behind the Glass. What's up, KP? What up, man? You know, loving life. Justice yeah. just reminded me why I shouldn't be loving life before he got on here. But uh, we're going to talk about some NFL, and that is always nice, man. How are you, you guys doing? I can't complain. Three and one. It's nice seeing the Niners, big win, big win. Kind of makes think a the big difference. Makes a big difference when you're coming off that win, especially in prime time. I'm doing a lot better this week than I was last week. Justice, what did you think would happen in that game? Because to me, it felt like it was an obvious spot where yeah. the 49ers would kind of run, not so much run away with that, but win convincingly. Was so was the outside perception the same? I don't think the outside perception was the same, but I agree right. with you guys. Um, I mean, Hufunga. Hell of, hell of a game by him. I mean, he's been looking great all year. I've just – it's the same things over and over again. I'm worried about that Rams offensive line. I'm worried about Stafford. Right now, you look at their efficiency numbers. You could argue that they're the worst passing game in the NFL right now, which is a stark comparison compared to last year where Stafford, if he was healthy, probably was, you know, an MVP candidate. He's looking a little – when they play anybody with a pass rush, and I know they've had some yeah. injuries up front – he gets pressure, and uh, it's bad news for the Rams. Before we go any further, I want to remind you that we are brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today. Use code SBNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That is code SBNFL only at DraftKings Sportsbook. We have a loaded show for you today. Mark Schlereth, the Fox Sports and 104.3, the fan in Denver is going to join us. Going to get into Russell Wilson a little bit and find out why the hell that dude is just so damn weird. We're also going to do our week four gauntlet as well. So we got a loaded show. Without any further ado, let's get to our interview with Mark Schlereth. Very pleased and privileged to be joined by someone I used to work with at ESPN back in the day. You can hear him on Fox calling games. You can see him on FS1 on the Carton Show, and you can hear him on 104.3 The Fan in Denver. Three-time Super Bowl champion Mark Schlereth. Mark, thanks for joining us. Absolutely, Stats. Always a pleasure to connect, man. It's always good to see you. All right, let's get into the Broncos a little bit. They play on Thursday night, obviously, against the Colts. It's been kind of up and down. Let me ask you, you're in Denver. You talk to Broncos fans every night. What is the feeling right now on Russell Wilson? The feeling on Russell Wilson, I think the feeling is okay on Russell Wilson. It's the rest of the team that they're concerned about. It's the coaching that they're concerned about putting players in positions to make plays. Um, you know, it's, it's always, it's always funny. I think nobody wants to blame in Denver, the players, they all want to blame, you know, coaches and, you know, and management and this, that, and the other, um, you, you knew that it was, there were going to be growing pains, right? You've got a new offensive coordinator. That's never been an offensive coordinator, a new head coach, that was an offensive coordinator, but hasn't called plays in several years since going back to his Jacksonville days as a coordinator, because um, he didn't really call plays in in excuse me in Green Bay in uh, Nathaniel Hackett. You got a new defensive coordinator. Uh, you got a new special teams coordinator. So there's a, a new quarterback. Like there's a ton of of newness, and like I think there's fear there's some paranoia there's some there's just a lot of things going on in Denver right now because I I think you looked at this schedule the way the schedule opened and you saw this kind of quote-unquote soft launch right you had hey man you've got Seattle with Geno Smith you know you should be able to win that game you've got the Houston Texans you should be able and and then you know by week three you got San Francisco you should be firing on all cylinders yeah, now they're through four weeks of the season, and offensively, they haven't put up more than 23 points in any game. And you've got, oh, by the way, Russell Wilson. There's there's fear and there's panic in Denver right now, and I understand why. I've watched a lot of Russ, obviously, as he was tormenting my 49ers in the NFC West for years. To me, he doesn't seem like he has that same, I don't know if it's athleticism, that same kind of Houdini escapability anymore. And I think it's making a difference do you see that, or is that just me making too much out of his early start in Denver? I think there's a lot of people that have said that. I think that's uh, – stats, I honestly think it's by design. And so uh, from the standpoint of can he still do that, if you've watched the last two games in depthly 
in-depthly. In the last couple of drives, he's done that. He's had that escape ability. He's scrambled for first downs. He's done that. He's scrambled for a touchdown. I think the thing about Russ, and I think this is a lot of people, they act like they don't pay attention, but they hear everything. They've got rabbit ears. And, you know, um, like in their victory against San Francisco in that last drive, he not only scrambled for a first down, he also motored out to the left. He scrambled, escaped to the left, and threw a strike to Kendall Hinton. So in the post-game press conference, you know, Pete Carroll said, we had a game plan. We forced him to his left. Everybody knows he's not good throwing when he's forced to his left. So what does Russell say three weeks later? <laughs> yeah, I guess I can still throw to the left. You know, when escaping the left, I can still throw it to the left. Like, he hears it all. Now, here's the interesting thing, Stats, is – is that he knows to play deep, like to play into his 40s. He knows that he's going to have to be better from the pocket. And he knows eventually athleticism will wane to a degree, right? It will diminish over time. So I've asked him, you know, in individual one-on-one meetings that I've had with him, because I've probably done 10 Seahawks games or so when he was playing there, just about who are the guys you idolize or who are the guys you studied. And he gave me three names. He said the histrionics line of scrimmage of Peyton Manning, you know, all the direct and traffic, all the Omaha, Omaha, all that kind of stuff. Right. Then the accuracy and the underneath, you know, the underneath taking what's given and the accuracy of Tom Brady motioning a guy designating between zone and man and finding that first guy and just throw it right. Just letting it eat inside five yards. Then he said the footwork in the pocket of Drew Brees. And I really believe, because I know this to be true, if you're going to survive and thrive for 10 more seasons in the NFL, you're going to have to do it from the pocket. And I think the real the criticism is, hey, he takes too many sacks. He doesn't throw the ball well enough or accurately enough in the middle of the football field. I think this is a conscious effort to basically address those criticisms. I really do. I think this is what he's been doing. And um, and I think what he's learning now is that's fine, but they're going to be five or six times a game where I got to be Russell Wilson. Yep. And and I think what he's coming to the realization of is that time is now. Here's the other thing that's been interesting. Really, the only guy that I feel like he's got a, a complete and total connection with is Cortland Sutton, like where he really trusts him critical situations, critical moments to catch the ball, to come up big, to, you know, to break off a route, whatever it is. And that's the one guy that he feels really comfortable with. So there's this feeling out process of, I got to throw the ball from the pocket and manipulate the game from the pocket. And Oh, by the way, there's only one guy that I truly have chemistry with. So there's a lot of moving parts to that, to that actually taking form. And I think that's why the kind of offense is where it is right now. You mentioned the one-on-one meetings that you've had with him. Is he as weird in those meetings as he seems in real life? Stink, I'm watching videos of him running out to practice where he's pretending to high-five fans that are not standing there. Yeah, he is. Uh, he he can be quirky. Let me just let me just tell you um, how weird. He's just interesting. Um, you know, I'm trying to be I'm trying to be as kind as possible. He's not weird, man. He is he is very regimented. He is very it, it's funny when you talk to him about football, when you talk to him about football, he's a politician. He'll give you like he'll 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 filibuster your ass. Like he'll give you a 20, like he'll go on for five minutes about you know whatever it is. When you start talking to him about life, that's when he opens up and starts to talk. And like, he's incredibly insightful. He's unbelievably motivated. He's got an unreal capacity for work. Like he can put stuff on his plate that very few people can put on their plates. Like he's just got an ability to do all that. Um, and, and he's, you know, I think he's probably a little bit strange to, to most players, but I, that's just kind of, here's what I find. Here's what I find intriguing. He is authentic. He is, is he? Like, he's, he's authentic from the standpoint that he is an absolute nerd. Now, like, does he, 
I think the awkward part, stats, the awkward part is he tries to fit in. So I think what I think the lack of authenticity that people talk about, and people have talked about it, you know, ad nauseum in Seattle and everywhere else. I think the lack of authenticity is he tries to not be a nerd around the guys at times. Like, like he would be way better off if he would just embrace his inner nerd instead of trying to be like one of the dudes. You're kind of not one of the dudes. So just be a weirdo. <laughs> like there's a lot of guys, like there's a lot of guys that I played with that, you know, that you look at and you're like, oh, listen, man, great football player, like good enough, dude. I'm not picking out curtains with him. I don't want to, you know, be roommates with him. I don't want to be on the road with him in the same, but guy can play and the guy, like the guy, like you just got to embrace who you are. So the authenticity part is, I think, you know, trying to be, trying to build your brand and trying to do all the things you're doing and trying to be kind of cool with the, you're not, you're just kind of weird. Like you're in a nerdy way. I think if he, he would be a lot better off if he could just be that all the time. I think guys would accept it and they'd just be like, yeah, that's Russ. He's a weirdo. Let's move on. Who cares? Yes. I totally agree with you. Like he, it just seems so manicured almost. And it's funny because he's won at a higher level than everybody except the Patriots during his time in Seattle. And for a guy that wins as much as he does, it always surprised me that he wasn't more well-liked on the teams that he played for. And I think it's because of what you're talking about there. They're just, it seems like he's trying so hard and it, it amazes me that like, I, I just, he doesn't get that by now. Yeah. He doesn't see it. I think he sees it. He just doesn't know how he doesn't know how in that environment to, to operate. Like, like there's always, you know, there's always a guy on your team. That's like, like we always joke around, you know, the village idiot. <laughs> he may be an idiot, but he's our idiot. Like, so, mm -hmm. you know, that's our idiot. Um, the guys that try too hard, you know, th those guys are just like, come on, dude, like stop trying so hard. And I just think he, like, he would just be much better off being an authentic nerd. Cause I, I think that's what, I think ultimately that's what he is. He's the most regimented person I've ever been. I like, I do one, he sleeps four hours a night. He just consumes and digests football. It's what he does. He, I mean, he really does. Um, and I think at some point you just, he, you know, like the whole, come on guys, get on the sideline and run, shout or, or and shout either run, run pass. Or pass. Like, dude, like if he did that on, on our teams that were winning Super Bowls when I was playing, I'd get out of here, nerd. You can go <laughs> bother somebody else. Like get, stop it. Like I'm not, I'm not getting off the bench for you or anybody else. I'm going to sit right here and do nothing. So leave me alone. Like, and those are the things that I think annoy players. But if he stops winning at the level he's winning at, isn't that the kind of thing that like, I feel like he gets away with it because he wins so much. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, listen, see, you know, everybody, everybody frames this, like frames his, his departure from Seattle is, the Seattle Seahawks chose Pete Carroll over Russell Wilson. No, they didn't. The Seattle Seahawks chose the Seattle Seahawks over Russell Wilson. They just got so tired of what they perceived to, to be inauthentic. They, they, they like they just got tired of Russell. Like it, it had it's it's not hey Pete Carroll. It's it's we just got tired of Russell. We got tired of all the things that come with being Russell. Listen, the New England Patriots got tired of Tom Brady. Like, ultimately, they got, like, they're looking at Tom Brady and saying, well, now, like, he's got Alex Guerrero with him, right? And he's got the TB12 method. And now guys are circumventing our protocols. They're not going into the training room during when they're injured. They're going across the street to TB12 and, and you know, and Alex Guerrero. And there's nothing that pisses organizations off more than when you go outside the organization to deal with issues or injuries or whatever the case may be, right? And so Russell comes with, you know, a, um, 
he comes with massage therapists and chiropractors and, and, you know, this team of people that he travels with that keep him together. He comes with some quarterback coach guru guy, you know, that they've got to invite over to their facility and he's got to hang out and what like, those are the things that, that just wore Seattle out and it wears out the staff. Like, well, why did Russell didn't have to show up? So why do I have to show up? Like, Right. And and as a, as an organization, you got to say, because he's freaking Russell Wilson, he plays quarterback. <laughs> and when you play quarterback, guess what? You can have that. Right. It's the old Jimmy Johnson line. Like, hey, if the fourth string running back falls asleep in meetings, I cut his ass. If Emmett Smith falls asleep in meetings, we wake him up. Right. <laughs> I mean, there's yep. that. Hey, right. Everything is everything is fair. It's not equal. And because you don't play quarterback, guess what? It's fair. It's not equal. You're not going to get the preferential treatment. And so I, I, I think, you know, I think when you boil it, when you really boil it down is they just got tired of all the ancillary things that come with Russell Wilson. Now, Denver walks in with eyes wide open. They knew it all existed. And they're like, yes, but we've been in NFL quarterback purgatory for six years. So we don't care. Like there's there's a big difference you know, perspective is interesting, right? There's a big difference from a perspective standpoint when it comes to Russ. I think the last time I talked to you, we had talked about Aaron Rodgers and the possibility of how close he was of going to Denver. I have made the argument that the Broncos hired Nathaniel Hackett because they wanted Aaron Rodgers and they thought that was the best chance to get that done because Aaron loves Nathaniel Hackett and said as much. He literally said, yeah, I hope he doesn't go anywhere unless I do. Did the Broncos hire Nathaniel Hackett to get Aaron Rodgers and, and Russell Wilson eventually became like the backup plan? Um, I don't know, but, you know, I, I do know. I know it was talked about. Here's how I know it was talked about. Because during the draft a couple of years ago, I come on my radio station and I wasn't even trying to break news. I was like, hey, man, I'm hearing that. Aaron Rodgers and the Broncos are talking and it's close to being, you know, it's like it could always fall apart because these things happen. You'd be surprised as an NFL fan. You'd be surprised how many times your favorite NFL player were talk, what was talked about from a trade aspect. You know, that information came out that in 2018, the Seahawks offered up Russell Wilson. Um, they offered up Russell Wilson and uh, and draft picks to move up in the draft because they wanted to take Josh Allen, 2018. So that was kind of the the that was the first that was kind of like the catalytic event that put this relationship in in harm's way. Like that's that's the information that's out now, and guys like Schefter have confirmed that and other people. So that that started the domino effect. Here's how I know. So I came on and said, hey, man, this is it could fall through, but this is close. Like, this is really close to a done deal. That's the information I was getting. And I'm not a newsbreaker. Like, I'm not a reporter. I probably should have vetted that out with three, four other people. But it wasn't. I was excited, right? I was like, you, we may get Aaron Rodgers. Woohoo! Right? <laughs> and so, you know, I got, I, you know, I got lambasted all over the place. But here's how I know. You know, they reported that no, there were no official talks and all that garbage that NFL teams report, right? Here's how I know that there was official official talks, because as soon as I said it and we went to a commercial break on that radio program, my phone rang as soon as I went to break and it was the Broncos. And they didn't call and say, hey, stink, that's erroneous information. Hey, stink, that never happened. Hey, stink, you're getting bad info from whoever you're getting it from. The first thing they said, I picked up the phone just like this stats. I said, yeah, what's up? Where, who told you this? Are you talking to Aaron Rodgers right now? What's that's what they that's what happened. They didn't say, dude, this is bad information. Dude, this is, they go, who told you? Are you talking? I know you're talking to Aaron right now. He's telling you this, right? You're talking. That's that was the phone call I got. So um, I I do think stats you're onto something. I do think that that was probably part. I don't think Nathaniel Hackett is going to be a good coach. But I think part of that was the allure of, hey, we already got a bunch of guys that you really like on our coaching staff. Why don't you come to Denver? So, yeah, I think there's some there's some truth to that. 
So the Broncos called you and essentially said, how do you know? <laughs> yeah, essentially. What Aaron was feeding you all the info, right? That was clearly Aaron Rodgers just telling you, hey, I'm about to come to Denver. No, it wasn't. It wasn't Aaron. But Aaron did talk to me. Like Aaron, yes, I did. Aaron didn't. Aaron didn't tell me yes or no, yay or nay. Um, but I was talking to Aaron, and he did say, "If I do come to Denver, let's get dinner." So okay, yeah, I was like, "Well, I think I said let's get dinner." And he goes, "If I come there, absolutely, it's a done deal." So, uh, but anyhow, long story short. No, Aaron wasn't feeding me the information, but Aaron called me too and said, how do you know? <laughs> or not called me, texted me. How, how did you find, how did you find this out? Where are you, where are you getting your information from? That's a hell of a source. Let me just say. Yeah. And he didn't, and he didn't, he didn't deny it. He didn't confirm it, but he didn't deny it. He just said, where are you getting your information from? If you talk to, to Aaron at all, can you tell him or just ask him like, what the hell's going on with his hair? What is he doing? Yeah, I don't know. I don't, it's <laughs> not. I mean, this is, you know, this is his Zen, you know, eat ghee butter until I have exploding diarrhea phase. <laughs> like that, he'll eventually he'll grow out of this phase and he'll move into something else. At least that's my prediction. I hope so. This, this is a weird one. Well, Stink, thank you very much for hopping on. We really appreciate it. You can hear Mark Schlereth on 104.3 The Fan in Denver. You can hear him calling games for Fox, of course, on FS1. You are absolutely everywhere, Stinky. We thank you very much for the time. My pleasure. Always good to connect, Stats. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks again to Mark one more time. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to run the gauntlet. We are going to look at the two and two teams and try and figure out which of this 17-team scrum is actually the best when we come back on the SB Nation NFL show. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. As they win the gridiron gauntlet. Okay, smarty. What's a gauntlet? Truly don't even know what a gauntlet is. The gauntlet has been laid. Back here on the SB Nation NFL show. All right, gentlemen, you know the deal. It is the gauntlet. Five topics enter. Only one topic leaves. We are going to look at all the two and two teams because there are a ton of them. And we are going to try and figure out who is the best of that group. I'm going to try and match up a two and two team from the AFC with an NFC. And we will go back and forth. So, Justice, I'll start with you. The two and two Jacksonville Jaguars or the two and two Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Ooh, these are two pretty good ones. I feel like I think the Jaguars are pretty solid, but Tampa just from a talent perspective. Right. I, I know they're not 
totally healthy. Their offensive line is all jacked up, right? Um, we saw that against Green Bay. That whole left side was messed up. I know they're coming off the loss against Kansas City, but I feel like I got to go Tampa here, right? Like when they get healthy, they're going to be so good outside of basically center, right? I mean, what other kind of center tight end? Like if that's the worst thing you have to say about a team and their defense is flying the way it is and you have Tom Brady at quarterback, like you got to figure this team ends up winning some games down the stretch. Let me play devil's advocate here because I don't disagree but are we sure that Tampa is going to get healthy? Like, is I don't want to say that they're this older team, but it seems like they have guys in and out of the lineup every week, and that's hasn't changed in a month. So why will that change in week eight? Why will that change week 12? Some of the injuries are weird, though, right? Like, Donovan Smith had a hyperextended elbow for a couple of weeks, and, like, I don't know. Is that going to happen again? I don't, I, I don't know. Um that's just kind of like my big question. And then the right side of the line is still pretty good. They kind of moved the ball against Green Bay. They just had some unlucky turnovers when guys like Rashad Perriman ended up fumbling in the middle of the field and stuff when they were driving. So I, I feel like Tampa still has a chance outside of – I mean, do, do we think there's a chance Tom Brady retires in season? That's That would be one thing. That would derail – Cole Beasley did it. Well, so like – but how do you – so the rumors with Tom Brady, there was an article in the New York Post that he and Giselle Bunchen have hired divorce lawyers. He's banged up. He also said on his podcast, his shoulders hurting him. Like, how do you factor in all that stuff with Brady, who has essentially been a, a football robot for 20 years? Now all this other stuff is coming into it. I don't know how that goes into the stew. I just lean back on he's Tom Brady. That's what I do. <laughs> and then if I'm wrong, I'll, I'll take being wrong, but... It's Tom Brady. So uh, I don't disagree either. Yeah, they, I mean, they have a ton of talent. If you just watch how teams play them, teams are so one-sided because they want nothing to do with running the ball up the middle. And I do agree that, you know, once they're secondary, um, I mean, they have a good secondary. They have a ton of speed on that side of the ball. I, I, I am still like a little hesitant um, to say that they're going to develop this elaborate passing game um, just because – I. There are injuries, and until I see them healthy, I'm not going to move off that. But still, like they are Tampa Bay, and it's Tom Brady, and he usually figures it out. It seems like for the most most of the time, these this four first seven week stretch is what Tampa Bay uses to kind of figure out what they can and can't do on offense. I know during their Super Bowl run, it was a lot like that, and then second half of the season, you're like, whoa, and they pick it up, and then they run through everybody. So you're taking the Bucks as well. Unfortunately, I'm agreeing with Justice. Wow, Jags eliminated right off the bat. Okay, that's fine. I thought somebody would fight a little harder for Jacksonville, but you guys hate Teal. That's cool. Uh, so we'll go <laughs> Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Wait, can or... we talk about Trevor real quick? Because he looks good. Like you would think he's going to be this number one overall quarterback that everybody expected. But there are some knuckleheaded plays that he has. And are those going to go away? Like we're talking about Tampa Bay's injuries. Is this going to be just what Trevor Lawrence is? Like he's going to make some wild throws. He's going to make some wild plays. And then he's going to fumble a snap and turn it over. And he's going to do whatever it is where they have – like the turnovers that he had last week were inexcusable. There's no way around that. And I'm not saying that, that those are going to happen over and over again. But they happened, and you can't ignore them. I wonder if it's like a weather thing with him. Sure. Right? Because, I mean, obviously weather was impacted there. The weird thing is usually you see that with guys with like smaller hands, right? Like we always point to like Jared Goff, right? Jared Goff has been terrible in, in weather games going back to when he was playing at Cal. He has small hands. Trevor Lawrence has 10 inch hands. Like he's got, he's got damn mitts, right? So I don't know if that's something that's going to be consistent for him, but it's interesting moving forward, keeping that data point. Cause as we get, you know, further into the year, maybe December, there's going to be some game where that pops up again. Are you buying in that Trevor Lawrence is more like the guy we've seen for the majority of this season, or is he more like the guy we saw last week with the five turnovers? I don't think he's the five turnover guy. I, I'm pretty – I mean, Jacksonville should keep rolling with him. I mean, there, There's no hesitation on my part. I, I thought it was funny. They asked Lovey Smith this week, I think it was today, um, about it, and he was like, he was playing good last year. So – there are weird things happening with that Jacksonville team in, in 2021, pretty obviously. Um, I'm still Team Lawrence moving forward. 
I'm not not Team Lawrence, but every stat that people love to reference, let's say adjusted EPA per play in this example, bottom three, Baker Mayfield, Carson Wentz, Trevor Lawrence. Ooh. And yes. That was because fact. of crazy turn. I mean, yeah. That I get, matters, I get, right? I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. I just don't think he's going to be fumbling like that. Sure, sure, sure. So the Buccaneers move on. All right, Tampa Bay Buccaneers or Cleveland Browns? KP, you start. Um, Jacoby is fun to watch. I'm not going to lie. Uh, maybe I have a soft spot for him. Maybe if you, you have to ignore everything that you saw from him before this season. Maybe it's because he has a legit supporting cast now. Maybe it's because he's playing freely, but uh, he had a scramble. I was watching Red Zone, and he had a scramble like on the two-yard line or whatever it was. And he like pump faked, made a guy miss. I know he's playing the Falcons, but it w- he is enjoyable to watch. I still have my reservations, though. Um, Stavansky is a hell of a coach. He's actually one of my favorite play callers to watch. I think he did a great job with Baker last year, despite how Baker turned out. And I think he's doing the same with Brissett and just putting him in good situations. Nick Chubb, still one of the best running backs, if not the best running back in the NFL. Will they be able to keep this up with Jacoby? You would think eventually – Somebody makes an adjustment, right? But Amari's looks good, man. So this is tough. But at the same time, I'm, am I going to go against Tom Brady? Like we're we're essentially picking Jacoby Brissett or Tom Brady here. So uh, let's uh, let's go with the uh, the guy who always wins the Super Bowl. Yeah, I think three units are the big difference between these these teams, right? Or I guess really just two defensive back, right? I think Tampa Bay is a pretty clear lane there, and then quarterback until at least Deshaun Watson ends up coming back, right? So I think it's going to be interesting, too, because, like, are the Browns even going to make the playoffs in the AFC? The AFC is loaded, right? And this is going to be a slugfest, even if they are in wildcard contention instead of AFC North contention. So I don't know. You can't lose last week if you want to make the playoffs. Yeah. Or, like, be considered a playoff, a legit playoff contender. Because it's hard to name seven playoff teams in the NFC right now. Yes. But you could definitely do it in the AFC. And then people who are ranked like 9, 10 will be very mad. Like, <laughs> it's very realistic that like Miami doesn't make the playoffs this year. Yep. Right? Miami fans would freak out on you if you tweeted sure. that out on, on Twitter. They'd be in your benches for a week. Um, I'm going, I'm going Tampa Bay. I think their DBs are better. I think their QB is better. All right, Bucks move on. So let's go. Better two and two team, Tampa Bay Justice or Cincinnati? Ooh. What do we think about the Bengals this year? They've been better at passing the ball after, you know, the first two weeks. I'm not totally sold on them yet. I think Baltimore's a better team. I think you could argue Cleveland's a better team. I know Pittsburgh's not, but like, is are they better Cincinnati than the Titans? Make the playoffs? Are they better than? Oh, I, that's a pretty even matchup. I hey, think. we haven't gotten there yet. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what what do you think about what do you think about Cincinnati KP? Because I'm I not think, super impressed. I think they're starting to make adjustments, like as the season goes along, and I feel like that's a necessity, just because they were so bad early on that they're realizing, oh, we have to do this out of shotgun. Oh, we have to do this out of under center because other teams are starting to figure us out. There is so much talent on that side of the ball that it is tough to bet against them. I think the world of T Higgins, I think T Higgins is so good. So it brings a smile to my face to see them go out of their way to get him involved. Defenses are not going to be able to stop T Higgins and Jamar Chase. If Joe Burrow just gets rid of the ball, they will have a, Good chance to put points on the board. We'll see if they can keep it up on defense. And eventually, they're probably just going to have to get in shootouts to win games. So in that sense, you're you're betting on, like in this case, is it Zach Taylor or is it Todd Bowles? Who are you going to bet on to make the adjustments down the stretch? I'm not going to bet against Todd Bowles. I'm not going to bet against Byron Leftwich. I I think the Bengals are headed in the right direction. I think they are going to be – I mean, coming off a of Super Bowl, people had unrealistic, unrealistic expectations for them. But I think they're going to be fine. I just, again, like, I don't know if they're going to be that team. Um, I don't I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs either. That's tough. It, it, this is a tough question. Um, oof. I think you have to go Tampa Bay just because you know what you're going to get in December from Tampa Bay. 
you don't know where you're going to get in, in December from a Zach Taylor coach team. And I think two players have been disappointing for Cincinnati this year. First one's Lyle Collins, right? Lyle Collins was supposed to come in and save them at right tackle. He hasn't done that. <laughs> it, it looks like that is their fault. Yeah. I mean, it looks like the Cowboys were right in letting him walk. And then Daxton Hill, I mean, first round pick. Do you know mm-hmm. how many, guess how many snaps he played on defense last week? Oh, no clue. I, I've never heard his name called as I've, as I've watched their game. So I imagine he's played, it's not high. He's played one snap. He's played 14 <laughs> snaps over four games. I mean, and he, he was a guy who thrived in that like slot safety role at Michigan, but they have Mike Hilton there. They have Mike Hilton there. So like until one of Von Bell or Jesse Bates or Mike Hilton end up walking, he's not going to crack, you know, the defense for playing time. That's really hard when you don't have what I don't, I don't think they had a second round pick to spend a first round pick, get basically no return on investment in year one. And, you know, your big free agent signing and Lyle Collins isn't necessarily panning out. And you already were a team that was batting, you know, ahead of kind of their their weight class so i'm definitely going tampa here i'm not selling Bengals stock but i'm like not buying it either if that makes sense i'm just staying they did they did have a second round pick because i'm pretty sure the 49ers are going to take him cam taylor Britt. uh he was out of nebraska but he has as many snaps as i do this season so (laughs) their first two picks to help their secondary have not seen the field. That is a big problem. I don't know if that's an evaluation issue. I don't know if, you know, they're just not up to par right now. Maybe they will uh, be ready down the line. But, yeah, not a great sign if your first two picks can't get on the field knowing the secondary that they have. A lot of fantasy owners really waiting for those first Kyle Posey snaps of the year, too. Let us know when you're going <laughs> to get on the field, KP. All right, let's make this a little tough for the Bucks then since they seem to be rolling through teams. Tampa Bay – or Baltimore, KP. Who's the better two and two team? Um, I <laughs> I don't want to pick against Baltimore because I am all in on Baltimore as far as futures, as far as so many things go. So I'm going to dig my heels in and say Baltimore. I know that Baltimore had some. They've blown two double digit leads, big leads two, in uh what two out of their four games. That can't happen. And I know that, you know, maybe the Dolphins are a potential playoff team. Everybody thought that the Bills would be, you know, the Super Bowl team. So it's coming against good teams, but that doesn't mean anything. The way that they're blowing these games. I I tweeted this during like when I whenever I watch the Ravens play defense, it looks like I don't know who their defense coordinator is, but it looks like whoever it is is just drawing names out of a hat and picking plays out of a hat. He's just hoping that they work and hoping it's uh, running into whatever the offense is trying to do. It doesn't seem like they have any sort of plan or semblance and it shows like they're, they're running around with a, like a chicken with their head cuts off out there. It's, it's not great. What doesn't make sense about it is they have good players. They have speed. They have talent on that side of the ball, but nothing is in unison. Nothing really marries with each other. And that is a problem. I don't know if that's going to get figured out, but they have Lamar Jackson. And I know he had a couple of bad turnovers if it's fourth and goal on the one-yard line, just run the ball. <laughs> you have Lamar Jackson run the ball. You have a running back. It seemed like at that point they could they were aggressive, and for whatever reason they tried to get cute. I, I mean, you could, it's easy to second guess after the fact, but um, if you don't want to run the ball, if you're not confident in whatever play call, whatever two-point play you have, kick the field goal, make Josh Allen go 80 yards. Whatever it is, that was the worst possible scenario for that fourth and goal. So – it looks a lot worse now that they lost, obviously. But I don't know, man. That John Harbaugh seems to figure these things out as the season goes along. And the way that Lamar has played early on, despite really only having like one true passing threat. And just as I'll throw this to you, is Mark Andrews that good? Because whenever I watch him, I don't get this <laughs> sense that – and that, that sounds super harsh, but I feel like he's made – he's a product of Lamar Jackson. And I think Rashad Bay, the world of Rashad Bateman. And it pretty much when I watch them, it's just him and Lamar. And then Mark Andrews, sure, he gets open, but uh, he leaves a lot to be desired, in my opinion. Yeah, I think they run the passing game through the tight end. It's it's pretty weird to watch. Um, I think even Harbaugh even commented. He was like, yeah, I don't know why Rashad Dayton wasn't getting uh, more snaps last week. I, I'm going to look into that. And it's like, 
the heck? You're, You're the, the first time coach. two years ago. <laughs> I'm going to look into that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think coaching is kind of what hurts Baltimore in my mind. The offense is weird, right? It runs through kind tight of. ends in the passing game. And then kind of, yeah, I was being nice. And then defensively, they don't have those DBs looking the best, right? I mean, we've seen Marcus Peters yeah. and Marlon Humphrey throw up some pretty bad snaps uh, recently. So I'm going to still go Tampa here. So I guess we're going to need Steven Serta to jump in. But All right. I would I would vote Lamar for MVP if the season ended. Today. 100%. I will say that. I mean, it's, Real. it's all him. Real quick before we throw it to Steve, snap counts for the Baltimore Ravens receivers in week four. Leader, 29, Devin DuVernay. Demarcus Robinson, who they signed off the Chiefs, who the Chiefs wanted nothing to do with, 39. First round pick, Rashad Bateman, 31. <laughs> Rashad Bateman's really good at what he does. He should never leave the field. They had 70 snaps, and he played 31 of them. That is 100% a Greg Roman issue. There's no excuse for that at all. Uh, Steve all right. says uh, they said later that Bateman was dealing with a minor foot injury. Don't care. <laughs> Put him on the field. <laughs> yeah. So they said it was a minor foot injury, but it sounds like he's fine. So I uh, feel like he probably could have gotten more snaps and he hasn't been getting a ton of snaps since the season started. Like they're rotating these wide receivers in Demarcus Robinson has no business playing this many snaps. Like we know who Demarcus Robinson is, but I think that I would still pick the bucks at this point. And it's based off of, I love the Ravens. I agree with you guys. Like Lamar is MVP right now, in my opinion, but what I saw even in uh Kansas city chiefs win over Tampa Bay, like they're so injured but those pass catchers on the field with Tom Brady, like that offense can still be a huge problem. And that was the first time they'd had all those guys on the field together since week one. And when those guys are healthy and they're actually on the field for Tom Brady, this offense is still really good and still really explosive. And the defense going into that was giving up nine points a game. Like I still think that the bucks all around are a much better football team. And I have less questions about them moving forward than I do about the Ravens. Sorry, KP. The Bucks advance. No, All right, let's I... keep it rolling. Who is the better two and two team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or the New York Football Jets? <laughs> okay, so the Buccaneers. Next, Zach advance. Wilson. Congrats on the dub. How about we do that? How about we stay? Uh, Robert Solid taking the receipts. Um, to be fair to Zach Wilson, I know he turned it over a couple times. Probably those probably weren't on him. Um, are they going <laughs> to? When's the next game that they're going to win? Is the real question. <laughs> the might have I, I, I was going to say. I think that both of their wins are fraudulent. If Kenny Pickett doesn't turn the ball over three times, like do the Jets win? They're set up with um, some pretty lucrative field position in that game. Um, I'm happy that Robert Sala got a couple dubs to start the season, but the Jets are not a good football team right now. And we do not have to pretend that they are just because they have two victories. <laughs> Tampa Bay uh, is the answer to this question. Just decide Baltimore should have been the answer, but Tampa Bay is the answer. <laughs> I assume you agree, Justice? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Okay. Good for Sala. Get some attitude tease in press conferences this week. Good for you. Shout out Sauce Gardner, too. He's playing well. Yes, he is. All right. Bucks or Titans, Justice? Who's the better two and two team? That Titans passing game is gross. <laughs> I, it makes me want to not watch their football games in general. I mean, it's just Robert Woods now, right? With Traylon Burks banged up. So yeah, that sucks. No, I'm going. This is Bucks all the way. Get get the Titans off my TV screen. I do not want to see them until they get a new quarterback or some new receivers. They're not interesting. No. They weren't last year, and they were the one seed in the AFC. <laughs> yep. And now they're just worse. They're a worse version of that. So target leaders last game against the Colts. And mind you, the Titans won the game, but it was pretty close, and they probably could have passed the ball uh, a lot more. So Derrick Henry led the team in targets <laughs> with five. Uh, Robert Woods, four. And they Dontrell Hilliard was mm. third with four. That consists of – the Titans passing game. Yeah, Gross. It is, uh, it's not great. Can All the right. league catch some passes? I mean, they're going to need some help right <laughs> now. If you're not going to use him at quarterback, I mean, or put Malik at quarterback, move Tannehill back to receiver, right? He has he experience doing it before. Second, 
Tannehill would be number two in targets. Okay, let's try and make this a little difficult then. We'll go over to the NFC. Better two and two team, totally objective, Kyle Posey. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers or the San Francisco 49ers? Hmm. So there we defensively, go. Defensively, <laughs> I'm trying here. Let me make an argument uh for the home team. I would say come December. I actually, so, I mean, every week we do this and we know we see all the yards that Jimmy G left on the field. It happened again this past week, but there are so many freaking good players that I have no idea how they lose games. And in my mind, D'Amico Ryans is the best defensive coordinator in the league last year, so it's nice to see him get that recognition this year. Um, He's able to do a lot more now that they have capable corners. Their schedule allows will allow them to win a ton of games. I haven't looked at Tampa Bay's schedule, so I don't um, I don't know if they're going to be in the same in the same boat here. But I'll say 49ers. Let's go! Just because the schedule, um, I think they're going to be able to get by with Trent Williams. You know, for the next four or five games, again, schedule makes a big difference. They're not going to have to score. 25 28 30 points or whatever because their defense is giving up next to nothing they are legit warriors on that side of the ball and it makes life a lot easier it takes off so much pressure from their offense and again they, like they have so many good players on that side of the ball too Debo Kittle Ayuk and you know Shanahan the wrinkles that they have in the running game like they continue to impress in that angle so I, I think they're going to figure it out I, I think Philly is the one seed but I would not be surprised if you know come December uh, San Francisco is right there again. Like I think week one, I said it, the team who has the healthiest offensive line in the FC will end up being uh, coming out. And it's not San Francisco right now, but I think down the line they'll be there. And again, I, I, I do have questions about the Bucks' health. I'm taking San Francisco here. Yeah. Let's go. That defense is really good, man. I think both of these teams are better on the defensive side of the ball than on the offense right now. And I think San Francisco is better on defense. I, th- I really do. I mean, when guys like Ibu Kim are making plays, when guy- when those corners are playing better than they have recently, Hufunga looks great, right? Like, how are you going to move the ball against these guys? It's it's going to be a really big problem. And we've talked – I mean, you already mentioned it, but, like, the offensive lines in the NFC are not good outside of Philadelphia and, like, Detroit. So right. those defensive lines can take over any any football game, any single As one. As we've seen. Yeah. Why, Justice, why do you think – somebody asked me this the other day. Why doesn't Nick Bosa get the same recognition as like a TJ Watt, as like a Miles Garrett, as like a Micah Parsons? I know Micah Parsons plays for quote-unquote America's team, even though they are not America's team. Anyway, um, <laughs> what is it because – in my mind, is it just because he's boring? Like he's not flashy. He wins so quickly. Like he's one of those technical geniuses where he's not going to – I don't – even – he overpowers you. So like that's not even fair. But why – what is missing from Bosa's game where he doesn't get this shine? And and maybe that's not true. Maybe he does get the shine. Maybe he is getting love and I'm not seeing enough of it, but he has been freaking dominant. He has been so dominant that if they don't double him, chip him, he's going to win. And he legit ends drives for the opposing offenses. So yeah. um, it, I don't, I don't know what else he can do. Maybe it's just like that. He hasn't had like, the year, right? Where like TJ Watts had the year where he's up there with all the sack numbers and stuff. And people were talking about him the entire season and things like that. Maybe it's just that. Um, but I mean, most is as good as they come at what he does. I mean, it's hard to be a guy who's that big and, and put up the production that he has. Right. Cause I don't know if he'd be able to kind of play like outside linebacker in the same, that same way that like TJ Watt, does but I don't think that TJ Watt could set a consistent edge, come out the pass rusher every single down like Nick Bosa is doing at end. I mean, the dude had 15 and a half sacks coming off a complete knee reconstruction last year. Played <laughs> every single game for the 49ers, was one of only five 49ers to do it. By the way, the Niners defense, this is my favorite stat that I've seen about them. They are forcing three and outs, not just stops, three and outs on 41% of the drives against them this year. In case you're wondering, the league average is 19.8%. That is so freaking absurd. This defense is phenomenal. It's so much fun to watch. 
They are smothering people. Okay, so the Bucks are unseated. Adios, 49ers. Better two and two team or Kyle Posey. The two and two Chicago Bears, who you may remember, <laughs> defeated the 49ers in week one of this season. Sure did. Good for you, Chicago. That was um that was a very sustainable performance, as we've seen, because <laughs> <laughs> there will Chicago score 19 points again in the first half of the season because it looks like they are struggling. Justin Fields is running for his life. Uh, some of their numbers look good because he's having to run for his life, but they don't have any semblance of a passing game. They can't protect him at all when teams like the Giants are getting after him down after down after down. It's hard to imagine um, they're going to come out ahead with a victory anytime soon. I don't know, man. I felt like if, if there was a time for them to pick up another win, last week was it. So, I mean, I think this one's pretty easy. You just look at the rosters, look at the depth charts on both sides of the ball. That, um, the 49ers are better than the Bears. And I know that, you know, we have to go, we have to remember the week one head to head. But if the Bears and the 49ers played again this week, Justice, at Soldier Field, no weather, what would that line be? I. Niners minus 12. Right. <laughs> Not, I mean, right. it would be good. Yeah, it's it's 11 uh, 56, and the Bears still suck, baby. You know what time it is. <laughs> All right. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers or the Los Angeles Chargers, Justice. Ooh. Man, will... the Chargers are so banged up. This would be a lot more interesting if, if they were healthy. They will right? play this year, by the way, after the Niners bye week. I think it's week 10 they'll play this year. I think the Niners will beat them because uh, the Chargers is just too banged up, especially on the offensive line. I mean, they didn't have a tackle that they could spare, right? The Chargers, I mean, they've been working with... Neither do the 49ers. <laughs> yeah, but the, I mean, the Chargers have been consistently working with the worst right tackle situation probably for the last two or three years in the NFL, if not longer. And now you lose, you lose your left tackle, your quarterback is banged up i know he's been playing decent recently but like who knows if that ends up popping up again defensively these guys are starting to go down and they were already kind of a stars and scrubs team on that side of the ball i worry about the chargers i was big on the chargers coming into the year they they did the whole like off season luring me into taking them <laughs> i do it every season and i already regret it. it's october 5th chargering is a very real thing so as somebody who had them minus five and a half last week, I was terrified after they blew, I think it was a 21 point lead. And the Texans just had no issue moving the ball in the second half. And that was a problem. And I think that is something to keep an eye on. You mentioned, you know, as they're dealing with injury after injury, not having Joey Bosa matters. Who yeah. would have thought? Um, yeah, I, I'm not so sure that they're going to figure it out on that side of the ball because of it. Justin Herbert is great. Like, we all know that. Still, their offensive coordinator is not good at his job. <laughs> For whatever reason. Just quick game. Like, quick game. His stick, lack of stick, creativity stick. kills me. They should be so much better offensively. Um, yeah, you mentioned the quick game. Their offense really doesn't even suit their wide. It's, it's strange what they're doing on that side of the ball. And – so am I going to bet against that guy or am I going to bet against Kyle Shanahan who seemingly comes up with like a new running play every week? I'm going to side with Shanahan and the team that has Debo Samuel. For a team with a quarterback as talented as Justin Herbert, it feels like the offense is very, it's just hard. Like if he doesn't make yeah. these mutant throws, they don't move the ball and it shouldn't be that difficult with a guy that talented. All right. 49ers move on. Let's go San Francisco 49ers or Denver Broncos. I love what Denver is doing on defense. I think they're the guy who they hired from the Rams. I forget his name. I think he is doing a great job. What Sertan did against Devontae Adams last week was probably one of the best performances that I've seen against Devontae Adams in a long, long time. So they have a secondary. Uh, they have a couple of guys on the edge who can rush the passer. DJ Jones, Rob, is still a baller. They are very good up front. Will Russ figure it out? Last week, man, with Javante Williams going down, like it, it was Melvin Gordon, and he just he can't hold on to the ball. So 
if anything, that's going to put more pressure on Russ to make plays in structure. And I don't know if you caught what Pete Carroll has been saying. Um, he has a quarterback who listens to him. Russ, not so much. So <laughs> I, I don't know if Denver – I mean, we've talked about them a lot on this show. And by dropping in a new quarterback, the assumption was that Denver would just magically become a playoff team, and that's just not who they are offensively. And Russ isn't at that level to take them to another level. So – Again, I'm going to go with Shanahan and the 49ers. And betting on Jimmy G over Russ probably goes against everything any 49er fan um, in their memory over the last five years. But looking at the teams as well as Denver's played defensively, I don't think they have enough room for error, a margin for error, as the 49ers do. So I'll go with 49ers. I'm going to agree with you. I mean, Russ, is he's 10 years into this. Yeah. And we, we've seen him with – like five different offensive coordinators at this point, and they all just have cost to the guys jobs. <laughs> yeah, it's like you fire a guy, and then they're like, We're gonna put in the system, and then they're like, Wait, Russ is only good at like these four things, but he's pretty good at these four things. And then you just run those four things, and then defenses adjust, and it, then you fire that offensive coordinator, hire a new guy. It's it's just a cycle. Well, like, I'm tired, I'm I'm tired of buying into the cycle. I, I know that like him throwing to Corlin Sutton and Jerry Judy was supposed to be like a big deal behind that offensive line, but I mean, we haven't really seen it yet. Right. I mean, when, when has Russ really gone off? I'm not willing to buy it. Um, to your point, Patrick Sertan though, best, best corner in the league. I mm-hmm. mean, if he's not best, he's in the conversation. It was yeah, super he's, awesome he's to see Jimmy off. Garoppolo just keep throwing at him when they played the 49ers. <laughs> like it was just a great idea from Jimmy. God. All right. So the Broncos, well, they got, they got Jalen Ramsey though, right? Debo. Broke that tackle in the middle of the field. The oh, amount Debo. of crowing that the 49ers and Debo have been doing after that game is it's just absurd. Like it's I think it's still continuing today. Like they are letting them hear it. And Jalen Ramsey is finally like, dude, like it's okay. It's not that big a deal. The Rams were been drunk all offseason. So I understand yeah. wanted to put them in their place. I get it. All right. Well, how about 49ers or man? Seahawks, how about that? Gino, Gino. <laughs> can we let's can we appreciate what Gino is doing? Seriously, so yes, he has not played football in a long, long time. I know he was on the field a little bit last year, but I mean, like as a starter, as somebody in control of a football team, to me, he legitimately is one of the best seam throwers in the NFL. Like he can remember in wedding crashes when Vince Vaughn was like, I was all state quarterback. I can put the ball wherever I want to. That's Gino right now. He's <laughs> spraying the ball wherever. It is really fun to watch. They are really good on that side of the ball. Rashad Penny looks like a first round running back. Their tackles that we were worried about this season, they're fine. And they're going to get better and better the more that they play. I know it helps that Gino knows where to go with the football. They're stretching the field. This is probably what most Seahawks fan, fans have wanted their offense to look like over the course of the last few seasons. But, I mean, the injuries on, in the defensive side of the ball, like they can't stop a soul. Lions had no issues moving yeah. the ball. And, I mean, the Lions are a really good offense, but I don't think that they're going to be able to stop anybody, and that is going to be a, a giant detriment. Eventually, you know, I mean, we saw the 49ers have no issues shut down the Seahawks, but – uh, you got to be able to get some sort of stop, some semblance of a defense. And and when you can't rush the passer and you're relying on, you know, a bunch of young guys in the secondary, it's, it's going to be tough. So unless the Seahawks are going to score 40 points a game, which I mean, they're not far off, but uh, it, it seems like the 49ers are, are the better team here, but still I, I love what Gino's doing, man. I'm so happy for him. And I hope he keeps balling out. Is there, I think everyone outside of Denver is rooting for Gino at this point, yes. right? Because Denver, this is their nightmare, right? Russ leaves. You're you're getting the same results. You're being told this is just who Russ is. Pete Carroll, meanwhile, has completely changed. His defense stinks. He's b- never been happier than he is right now. The Seahawks Seriously. are like fourth highest pass rate on like neutral downs in the league, which is totally different than what they did, you know, under Russ. Right. So you're seeing a completely different change with a different quarterback, whereas you end up getting Russell Wilson in Denver and it looks like the same thing. I agree with you. It, the issue isn't the offense with Seattle, which is probably a surprise to some people. That defense is terrible, though. I mean, cannot compete with anyone. 
definitely going <laughs> with the 49ers here. Gino, number one in adjusted EPA per play, 0.64. That is, what, two tenths better than the next person? His success rate is 65%. That is eight percentage points better than Tom Brady for first place. Like you just go down the list of stats, Gino, and it's matching up. Like with when you watch them play, he's very good, man. And I feel like people need to acknowledge that. The thing with Gino, it Gino's always looked like a great quarterback who's playing with like a one to two second lag, right? Sure. He's just unconscious in the pocket. And sometimes it's going to lead to plays that are like, holy crap, I can't believe he attempted that. I can't believe he put the ball there, right? Like highlight level plays. And then half the time it's going to be he's getting his head taken off by an edge rusher coming around the corner because he has no pocket presence, right? And I, I'm happy to watch it again. I'm kind of still like scared for his well-being, even like beyond him playing football. But it's really fun to watch. No, there, there are like two to three plays a game where, you know, he might take an eight-yard drop instead of a six-yard drop, and he's a statue, and now somebody has a free a free rush at him, and he will get decapitated. There's no doubt about it. Like, that is fair still, though, man. Like, it's, the uh, those other plays that you're talking about, the other 65 70% of the time, like, he's doing the right thing, and, and that's what I like watching. All right, let's see if we can knock some of these out for the interest of time. 49ers-Falcons, I think we all agree it's 49ers. Anybody object? No? No, they're they're down Cordero Patterson now, too, so. Yeah, that ain't going to be good. 49ers-Cardinals. Anybody think Cliff and company are better than San Francisco? Who is Cliff better than a 1-3 and team right now? (laughs) They were very fortunate that they played the Panthers last week because I was watching that game, and – that game was a lot closer than the score would indicate. It would it took Baker missing essentially every throw for them to hang in that game. Uh, Kyler is a magician, but their first round picks recently, whether it's Isaiah Simmons, whether it's Xavier Collins, they can't do anything. They can't guard anybody, and it's essentially JJ Watt and nobody else. And JJ is not even playing like at the level that you would expect. So, um, shout out to Hollywood Brown. He looks like the right call. It looks like they made the right move there, and maybe they should get him involved more. But it's Kyler Hollywood and everybody else give me the Niners so that leaves one last two and two team and it's the team the 49ers just molly whipped on Monday night football the Rams justice where are you going better two and two team we just saw the game right that offensive line it's not going to get better at any point in the season Stafford I'm still worried about him season long stars and scrubs team that like just does not have enough depth. I'm taking the 49ers if you bet on the Rams last week, congrats. You are the biggest sucker in the world. They had no shot coming into that game. Oh, no, Rob, you fell for it. I bet on him getting two points. I was like, I think that, you know, I didn't have confidence in the offense to do it. And, uh, yeah, I donated to uh, Vegas. So, congratulations. I was, <laughs> I was seeing the score predictions of, you know, some of the people on TV, and they had, like, the Rams scoring in the high 20s. I was wondering – how are they? Where are these points coming from? Uh, yeah, like Cup is amazing. There's no doubt about it. And it seems like Stafford only trusts him. But outside of that, yeah, can I can I take a victory ball. lap on A Rob? I never oh. got how people were excited about A Rob. Did they not watch him in Chicago last year? I know people were like Justin Fields, but like A Rob was part of the problem with Justin Fields. Orlovsky crushed him. Uh, yeah, on NFL Live yesterday, he said his legs are dead. His legs are gone, and he is cooked. Yeah, he can't run, man. It's uh, it's sad to see. Oh, yeah, not that sad. As someone that reads for it, covers the 49ers, I could just tell you, I ain't shedding any tears. All right, really, really quickly, all the three-in-one teams, Vikings, Cowboys, Giants, Packers, Dolphins, Chiefs, and Bills, anybody object if I say the Giants are the biggest fraud three-in-one team in the league, Justice? No, but I would like to uh, ask some questions about the Miami Dolphins. Mm. I agree it's the Giants, but I think second is a pretty clear decision for me, too. I just don't think Tua can keep it up. We'll see. I mean, is Dak coming back? Not this week. It doesn't matter, apparently. I mean, the defense is playing good enough that, like, Cooper Rush is winning these games. I will say, crazy crazy Cowboys fans about the Cooper Rush. Yes. Cooper that Rush, he's not up. better than Dak. Like, RJ Ochoa is having to fight people off in his mentions daily about being like, <laughs> Cooper Rush is the next quarterback. He's like, what are, are we doing me? here? 
Oh, my goodness. Just enjoy your good defense. Give your defensive props. It doesn't have to be Cooper Rush. Which was a question that we had coming into the season. Like, we knew Michael Parsons would play at a high level, and he is playing at a high level, but uh, Dan Quinn, right? Who knew? I mean, he's is he, he's going to get another head coaching job. Right? Why? Probably next year, Why? honestly. <laughs> we do this all the time, talking he's about cycles. They're different jobs. Head coach and coordinator are different jobs. A coordinator can sit in a dark room all week and come up with all sorts of crazy stuff. A head coach does not have that luxury. We've seen Dan Quinn. We know what he uh, – sorry. It's just – it's my thing. <laughs> so you got you to tell some owners this. Sticking with this 3 and one theme – the Vikings are probably going to be this year's version of the Titans where they win a bunch of games and then just get mollywopped in the playoffs. Um, <laughs> I don't know if Kevin O'Connell figures it out. I, they have a ton of talent on that side of the ball, so hopefully they do. But I don't see them losing. I think they do make the playoffs, but I don't know if any of their wins coming up here will be justified. Yeah, those are – I mean, I guess maybe like I, every one of these teams has problems, though, right? Like Packers, sure. Cowboys, they have questions too. I mean, I guess you could say Chiefs and Bills, but like I feel like we're pretty confident in them moving forward. But yeah, I mean, the Giants, when you're having to use Saquon Barkley for two drives at quarterback <laughs> in a game and you're able to clinch it out because you played the Chicago Bears and you just happened to line up against them that week. Yeah, that's a little bit lucky. You're probably lucky to be here. And you know what? If you're a Giant fan, you've seen nothing but losses for a really long time, so enjoy it, but it's probably not. Or a London fan. First uh, two two teams over 500 ever to play in London coming up this week. And Giants it's Packers. The yeah. yeah. We need to grow much. football overseas. Okay, great. Let's just send them all of our garbage teams. That'll do the <laughs> trick. But whatever, it seems to be working. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the SB Nation NFL Show. Please rate, review, Follow us. If you haven't subscribed yet, what are you waiting for? You get this show. You get all of our great shows. Justice, KP, thank you very much for the time. 49ers, best two-in-tune team out there. Boom. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on home mom? No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. 